welcome to episode 8 of the Doctor Who Spin the Wheel podcast. How on earth did you know that? Episode because eight. I read the group chats, Will. I'm dumb. <laughs> <laughs> I am your host, Andrew. Andy. We're going with Andy for this one because we have a, a we have a guest also called Andrew who we'll get to in a moment. But yes, I'm your host, Andy. Joining me is our other host, Will. Hello, hello. How are you, Andy? Fine. I hate technology. Yeah, yes. The, the amount of technical issues we've had this morning. Jesus Christ. Well, this afternoon. We're starting at 2 o'clock. We were meant to start at 1. This is a we disaster. We were meant to start at 1, yeah. We're about an hour late. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well. It's fine. And joining us this week is our guest, Andrew Hayden. Ooh. Woo! All right, Andrew? Yeah. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you, you sound enthused. You sound thrilled. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just really tired today. Yeah, so am I. To be Sorry. fair, I've had to drink. I was going to say I've had to drink my energy drink. Would make you feel more comfortable if I did Pascal Saxon's whole podcast? Would that make you feel more at home? <laughs> yeah, if you couldn't tell, he's from Liverpool, so uh, the accent is strong with this one. But then again, I really like the Liverpool lean accent. So do I. I. Know, I know my partner hates it, but I like. I like it. But I had, I, to learn how to, I, I had to learn how to do it for uh, when we did Blood Brothers in at my A level. So like, yeah, I've kind of remembered how to do it from there. So for some background, Andrew Hayden has been a long-term kind of pal on Twitter. I've known him for absolutely forever, it seems. So I thought, why not invite him onto the podcast? And, yeah, uh, why? Why has he not been on yet? I thought he would have been. Yeah, I I don't know. When I conceived what? this kind of series, I was like, we need to get new guests on. So I thought. Oh, Andrew hasn't been on. Let's get him on. And now he is. I just find it funny that I started out as just a guest and now, lo and behold, here I am. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> yeah. You you asked. Well, you and Mike. Anyway, hmm. for today's episode of Spin the Wheel, we have watched uh, the... If you didn't see it at the end of the last episode, we watched the Sarah Jane Adventure Story Day of the Clown, which I believe makes this the first... Uh, episode we've done on a spin-off. You I see, think. this is so stupid. We were meant to do uh, two episodes before this, actually. I think we uh, were originally going to do class, like an episode of class, but then Andrew didn't have the DVD. Did you, Andy? No. And then, so we scrapped that and we respun the wheel and I think it landed on Femeric. And then last week's episode, or no, the week before, was the Mind Rubber and we were actually meant to do Countryside. So we were meant to have all three spin-offs done by this point, but... um. Apparently not. This will be the first, and I am actually contemplating doing the two reviews of uh, the class episode and also the tortured episode as like a midweek thing. So something to ponder on. I mean, I'd be up for which class episode was it? Uh, Co-owner of a Lonely Heart. Oh yeah, I remember. oh yeah, so <laughs> which I watched the other day, fun, which is fantastic. Fun fact, right? So Will, hmm. bless his heart, being the good mate he is, about a month ago, actually sent me the class box set as a just as just a random gift. I mm. gift gift. I didn't know it was a thing he was doing. He sent me that. Obviously mm. it was a really nice gesture, but obviously the ulterior motive being it's so we can do it for reviews. <laughs> and then about two weeks after I got that, class went back up on iPlayer. Yeah. Andrew, have you got any history with Sarah Jane Adventures? Did you watch it as a kid growing up or is it something you've revisited uh, later? Uh well I um, started watching Sarah Jane Adventures. The first episode I ever watched was Warriors of Kudlak. Great um, episode. So I started... Um, it's actually an episode... At, for me, it's probably one of the weakest episodes of Sarah Jane Adventures, in mm. my opinion. Uh, I've enjoyed it more as I've gotten older. Because mm. I enjoy the laser tag kind of thing. Like I, I've never really played it, but it, is, mm. um, it does seem quite interesting. Yeah. Um, and since the, like since that episode, I've watched it throughout like throughout my life. Mm. Um, but like for years, I didn't have the box set. I just watched it. I remember it was I think I think it was about four years ago when they did. Um, I think they did like a back to back three episodes, Sarah Jane Adventures. Mm. Um, and that was the last time I watched it until I got the box set last December. Nice. So since then, I've watched. I've done like two marathons of it. You see, that's it's what a, I'm going to be doing. It's a great show. It's yeah. a really great show, legitimately. We should probably get to the review of today's Yeah, episode. sorry. We should probably get to the actual review. Yeah, we're reviewing Day of the Clown from Series 2, which is uh, the first appearance of Rani as well. Mm. 
so I guess we'll start where we normally start in these, which is the I should probably the TARDIS up. team, but we don't have a TARDIS team in this, so we'll just go with, you know, the crew, the the Bannerman Road team. What I've are your thoughts on cast. them? Andrew, do you want to take this? Uh, yeah. Um, firstly, I think they were I think they were all good in the scenes that they were in. However, um, one of the criticisms um, I have with it is that um, I feel like Luke didn't get much to do in the story. <laughs> yeah, mm. agreed. And Sarah Jane, she didn't get much to do in the first half. She got more to do in the second half, but I feel like she did. Catch, she was kind of in the background for mm. the first half, and it was just Clyde and Rani. The problem I have with Luke is that the actor's just a bit naff, because I did write a note that's a little bit later on, and I I haven't put these in, like, category, which I should have done because we're talking about um, categories, but I did put it chronologically, but one of my criticisms was that he was, like, running after the clown, uh, with Clyde across the streets, and he looks so confused throughout. Like the clown is clearly in shot, but his reactions like so void of any emotion. It's like, oh, I can see you. It's like, ooh, it's right in front of me, but I can't see you. It's just bad acting. I, I, I hate I the actor. I think of. that's part. I think that's part of the plot, though, because the vil- because the because Odd Bob gave them gave certain people tickets, and only the people who yeah, that, that's who the had thing. I don't, think, I don't think Luke can see him. Only Clyde can because he didn't get a ticket. Hmm, but uh, I I don't know. But ironically, for me, in in the scenes that he was in, in both parts, I thought wow. But not for him, but for Elizabeth Sladen, her line about one of the best things about life is that it's always surprising us. In part one, is a great little moment, and then in part two, uh, when they're both talking about her childhood fear, uh, which is a really subdued timeout moment in an otherwise hectic non-stop second part. And that kind of feeds into a, a phrase I have for Elizabeth Sladen. I think she was gem, and she is massively missed. Of course, she's an excellent talent, and I think she was pretty good in both parts, even in, including part one. I don't, th- I don't think Elizabeth Sladen ever put in a bad performance. Really, Elizabeth Sladen was always like amazing. Yeah, off the top of my head, I can't think of a bad performance. But um, I, I do kind of agree she was underutilized in part one. I think that was more. It was more to introduce Rani. Yeah, uh, I, I don't mind that she wasn't as active in part one because, again, like you just said, they had to introduce Rani, and at the same time, I feel like it actually helps the episode that she's not as involved in the first box. It really helps set up the threat and the creepiness of Odd Bob. Yeah. Who, I, I think, at least me and you will agreed that part one is better than part two. Hundred percent. I think in part one. In part two as well, but I think especially in part one, I think Odd Bob is genuinely actually quite creepy. This is the point I this is the point I was gonna make as well. Mm. Um I feel like he is better in part one because he's I feel like in part one he's shown less and when he is shown it's more mysteriously like when Rani looks less out the window more, and yeah. she just sees him looking at her. Yeah, that's th- there are a lot of creepy moments with him in the first part. But I feel like in part two he becomes I don't want to say he becomes more normal, but he's talking a lot more, and it yeah. comes off a bit less creepy. Yeah, I don't disagree, and it's like a horror trip. I've mentioned this in a previous episode, actually. Less is more, and I think it was George from our Robot Sherwood review who just said that's how horror works. It's like, once you get to know more about it, then it just becomes less intense, and I, I completely agree, because the scenes where he's being drip-fed into the scenes was cool, but it's so frustrating, and this is one of my negatives in part one, one of my only negatives I have. It's so frustrating that Rani doesn't bring it up, ever. Like, for example, I felt left to my own devices to interpret that she was keeping it a secret. Without that interpretation, it almost felt like there was little impact on her from the experiences and there was no sort of trauma. Is that just me? Because I felt like she, when um, the principal was introduced, uh, well, I'll get to that in a minute. But when they're all together on the Bannerman Road and it's revealed that the principal is her father, they're kind of together and they're talking about Clyde seeing a clown. But then I thought that was such a perfect opportunity for Varney to mention it, but then she just never does. And then it's not even implied that she's keeping it a secret. It's just never brought up. Is that just me? It's gone very quiet. I, I, think, it, I think it's implied that she's keeping it a secret just because she doesn't want to be, like, seen as mad. Yeah, I, she, I think she makes that point to Luke, doesn't she? When she, when Luke, Clyde and Varney are all walking, walking down the road and she says... Uh, she basically said. Uh, she basically says, "I can't tell you. Can't tell anyone." And Luke's like, "Why?" And she goes, uh, "And she goes, do, do, do you want them to lock me up?" Yeah. And he goes, "Why would they do that?" 
and she goes, what planet is he from? Yeah, so that is okay. well. Okay, well, I just felt it like he didn't do enough. Like, he had one scene, but then it was never brought up again. It was no real emotional depth to that. But um, if we're going on to the main cast, like Daniel Anthony, who plays Clyde, delivers this line so over the top, and that's his personality, and I love it. I love how he bursts into that nice scene with Slade and Knight at the start, like when uh, they're reminiscing about Maria, which I also thought was a nice little moment. And when he was also walking through the school to his locker, projected his lines, I just love the delivery of his lines, and I think he's a great actor. I, I like Tommy Knight as an actor as well, who plays Luke. Like, really? I, I, yeah, I think for the most part when i remember his performances he's really good i think he, I, th- I think with luke he he does seem very like un sorry i don't know if this is the word but very unconfident but i think that's kind mm. of the point that's isn't kind it? of the character yeah because the whole point is that he's not a real well he is but he's like you know the circumstances in which he was made he was not a little, human yeah exactly but even then i just think it's an acting standpoint because i think he's in uh, casualty uh, or he's in one of those kind of shows uh, hospital drama and I've only seen little bits of that but whenever I see him in that, those kind of shows I just think he's so dry he's not actually putting any heart into it and he's exactly all, the same all, all I'll say is if you think he's a bad actor watch The Nightmare Man I've, se- mm. I've seen him in Waterloo Road when he played I think it was I can't remember where it's oh yeah he was in Waterloo yeah. Road wasn't he? He, played, um, he, played the, he played the adopted son of Daniel Chaw but I think he was really good in that. Andrew, if I'm going to I'm, I'm look Andrew it up for you now because I know for a fact he was in it, I remember, but I can't remember yeah, who he played. Remember. I just want to know what hospital drama he was in so I can get my point across. Yeah, he was in Casualty in 2007, but it says he was only in one episode, so maybe it was just that. Oh, no, he came back in Casualty. He was in he, two episodes. He, he played uh, Kevin Chalk in Waterloo Road. Oh, okay. Yeah. 55 episodes of that, jeez. But yeah, okay, I'll take your word for it. But yeah, I wasn't a fan of Tommy Knight in this, to be honest. I was uh, by far more accustomed to Clyde. And again, Rani, I think Rani was better in part two. I think she was given a bit more to do in part two. And I think she was a bit more confident um, acting-wise in part two. So I'm actually intrigued to know if part two was filmed like far away from part one. Because part one, I could tell like that was her introduction. She probably filmed these scenes first. And I think, contrary to Matt Smith in Time of Angels, where he was just, like, explosive from the off, I don't think Ronnie was uh, particularly in part one. Like, I I was just uh, focused more on Clyde. Like, Clyde was more of the explosive actor in those scenes. Even with Tommy Knight, I don't think he was particularly good. But Clyde carried those scenes for me. Yeah, I think Clyde was probably the best. I yeah. Thought, I, thought the scene, I thought the scenes, like, for example, when, um, I think his name was Finney, went missing yes and he and he was looking around for him and the, uh, the moment he saw odd bob in the mirror yes those I, kinds of scenes he, i really like, like how they yeah. utilize the center of the school to portray odd bob uh, abducting clyde's friend it makes what feels like a safe location for like he's daunting and playing tricks on you and like you just said exploring for his friend was a great sequence but the direction when odd bob is seen in the mirror it feel, falls a bit flat for me to the point that the editor couldn't even make it good if it's fine though it works but i love the whole concept of using the school to like abduct the children yeah okay that sounds there's weird part, there's, there's a part as well when i think they see him at the end of a corridor and i think it's just clyde and luke sort of run after him and he like uh sort of like pulls that sort of clown blanket thing out of nowhere oh, and it's then just, like flaps it and then like just disappears i think that kind of that yeah kind of cool. yeah it was just it, and that was just Clyde because he, I think it was just after he'd come out the bathroom, or it was just after he'd come out of the, of the room that Finney went in. Yeah. And he, and he shelled his hay and ran down the corridor. I yeah. Think, I made a note that in terms of acting, I think the standouts were without a doubt Elizabeth Slade and actually Bradley Walsh. Oh, Bradley Walsh was fantastic. I, Bradley Walsh was like really good as the villain in this, like genuinely. Uh, it's weird because people keep on saying. Um, I remember when he was cast as Graham. Mm. People were saying, "Oh, we, oh, he's just a comedian. He can't act." And you're like, "If you, if you think he can't act, watch this watch episode. Day of the Clown." And I think this is his probably he best was in performance. Law and Order. He was good in Law and Order as well. I know that's not mm. related to the Who universe, but he was good yeah. in Law and Order. 
Yeah, I haven't seen that, but I really want to, and that's why I did make the note. Like, it's his best performance in the Hooniverse out of what I've seen of him. And why I say that is because, as I explained to you, Andy, uh, the other day, I think in Doctor Who, he's just playing Bradley Walsh, but with a different backstory. Of course, in this, he's just putting in a whole different portrayal, and he's portraying a character as opposed to just himself. In this, he is, like, absolutely the embodiment of, like, a just a scenery-chewing villain. Like, yeah. you can tell he's just having fun playing the role. Yeah. And it's great to watch. It's like in the um, pre-title sequence. He goes, Wee! As a transition into the title sequence, and I love that. Like, he's meant to be this really intimidating villain. But again, like, uh, clowns are meant to be scary, but funny as well. And I think he just... Well, that's like, they're not creepy. meant to be scary. It's that people find them scary. I think they're creepy. I don't like them. He was meant to be portrayed as scary because he was... And because I know he was meant to be very much like, you know, Pennywise. Mm-hmm. Mm. It was meant to be oh, like that. This whole thing is... You can very clearly tell this is, like, it. I'll, I'll just run down some of the notes that I have for the main cast before we move on. Because mm. we're kind of going into the villain now, so I'll just get these out of the way. Uh, I thought... Um, Liz slash Sarah just has amazing chemistry with everyone she's on screen with. I put, uh, I personally really like Rani's character. Yeah. I remember when Maria left, I didn't know how they'd replace her because, like, I thought Yasmin Page was really good as Maria, and then Rani uh, came along and I was like, oh, what's up? I, I, no, as in, I, I disagree. I think Maria was just a bit over the top, shall we? It was because of the high pitched voice. It was like, and I just thought, oh, for God's sake. Yeah. Then Rani came I, in I, and I, she I, was a bit less stereotypical. I kind of agree. Story. I think it depends what episode you watch. Because when I think of Maria, I mainly think of her performance in Whatever Happened to Sarah Jane. And I think she's brilliant in that because she mm. kind of has to carry it. Uh, yeah. From memory, uh, I agree with that. It, it depends which episode you think of. I do agree to some extent. Mm. Just to give my thoughts on Maria and Rani. For some reason, I've never really connected to Maria. I can't explain what it is, but I've just never really found mm. her that engaging on telly, especially especially if you compare her to Rani. But from uh, a so statistical she, so point of view, right, the fact that she had one series and Rani had four, it's clear as day why, because I think Rani's the far superior character. Oh, Ra- Rani is a lot Ra- better. Rani is a lot better. I think it's because I think it's because Anjali Mahindra is older as well, because she's like, I, she, she is only... She I mean, was about 18, only, yeah. But no, I... I... I love Rani as a character. I think she's great. Definitely a good replacement for Maria. And I think, especially like during like her second season onwards, I think she just gels really well. Yeah. Um, I remember. I know this is going to sound awful, but I remember after um, after like a few episodes with Rani, I didn't really miss Maria. Not that no. I didn't like Maria. I did, but like I don't know. Just Rani fits in really well. I think the main thing I missed about Maria was just that her dad was hot, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> I liked Alan, he was good as well. Alan, Alan was, really was a great good. character. I will say, I will, we'll get into this more in a bit, but I I at least personally really like Rani's, at least Rani's mum a lot, but we'll get into that when we get to side characters. Yeah, I like yeah, I like Gita as well. If you said you liked his dad, I would funny. kill you. Oh yeah, I this this relates to main characters, so I'll just put this in now. Uh, one of my criticisms uh, was that some of the dialogue is kind of cringy, mostly yeah. some of the stuff that Clyde says. But I also put that since this show is geared more towards kids, it's I can let it slide a bit more. I think I mentioned this to you, Will. Mm. I personally actually thought this was really funny, and I don't think kids would get it either. But How it was it? the part where. Um, when Sarah mentions that she has a fear of clowns and Luke mentions that uh, colorophobia is a fear, phobia of clowns and Clyde says, what encyclopedia did you find that in? And Luke just says, heat. <laughs> I thought that was really quite funny. That was a decent <laughs> joke. Yeah. It was so in character for Luke though, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. definitely. <laughs> um, we, we've already mentioned that Elizabeth's performance is great, but in particular, I just really like how she sells the performance of Sarah being like terrified of clowns. Yeah. But I think she really sells that like, amazingly well. Mm. Um, I think that's it for my notes on main cast. I don't know if you guys had any more. Uh, I, well, most of my points have kind of been covered throughout. Mm. But one but one thing I was going to say is I like how it carries on from Maria's departure and you get to see how Luke is coping with that because he's not used to that kind of stuff, is he? Yes. Clyde is because of Paul uh, um, leaving him and Carla. So he yeah. kind of gets over it quickly. 
whereas Luke's not used to it, so he's so he's kind of put he's kind of pushing Rani away. Yeah, I really yeah, like I, the quick scene, like when they're going up the stairs to the attic before that scene that Andrew was on about, and he kind of just stops to look at the picture of them together, and then he just kind of flex dismisses it and then goes up in dismay and i just think that was a really nice little moment what one reason i like that picture as well is because it's, it's from an episode that we've seen as well so like we know where that happened i just think that's quite a nice Which little touch it? it's uh, from uh, whatever happened to sarah jane oh okay that's sarah jane. it's after sarah jane goes missing and the actually i think it's i think in the picture i think the picture changes in our episode doesn't yeah it? so the picture's taken at the start it's when they're all at the skate park together and then when sarah jane disappears she gets replaced in the photo with andrea Gotcha. Uh, it's just it's just nice that we sort of can see that picture and go, oh, we were there when that happened. Yeah. Unlike in Doctor Who, sometimes when they'll refer to an event that happened off screen that we never saw. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I like that. Can uh, I talk about my wanna... hatred for the uh, principal now, please? <laughs> do you want to do sidecast and then probably go into villain? Yeah, sidecast. Sure. Oh god, I absolutely hate how he was characterised when he was introduced to the audience by, uh, in the eyes of the children in the classroom. He's the typical strict boss who comes in and puts everyone down to stump his authority. It's such a cliche. That being said, I do like the lane, uh, the line later in the episode where Gita asked Ronnie if he was like a sailor, uh, like he always is when he's going into new jobs. I would have hated if they hadn't had that little bit where it established that he always does that and it's like a character trait. It felt like he uh, could have been more lenient considering the disappearing children in the context of the story. And even when he mentioned it, he didn't have the care and essence about him. The stubbornness of the character could have been established over the course of the series, so it didn't have to be bonked over our heads to get the message across. So yeah, I think that's the, probably the biggest negative in this uh, particular episode for me, is the yeah. principal's characterization. Yeah, one thing I is, I didn't actually think of this until you just mentioned it, mm. but um, somewhat anyway. But like the fact that he, the fact that kids have gone missing, you'd think he'd you think he'd call the police or get someone. He to do did about it. Did he? <laughs> you you don't see it on screen, but it is mentioned. He mentions it to Gita. Yeah, but even even then, he the whole characterization on screen like that he calls the police after his uh, interaction with Clyde. It, it wasn't implied that he was going to call the police. It was only f found out that the police were going, uh, had been called after the scene. And I was like, he actually called the police after that scene. Why couldn't we see it? Or why couldn't it be implied? Why couldn't he have that like tonal shift of like, oh, I didn't believe you two. Oh, okay, I may take this seriously now. It's just a thrown away bit of dialogue. And it's a bit of a waste, in my opinion, I, anyway. I, th I think as well, I think um, when he's talking to Clyde in his office, he seemed like he just wasn't bothered. Yeah, exactly. He was just more focusing on potential on Clyde potentially lying rather than mm. the fact the students have gone missing. Yeah, and they reintroduced that kind of plot thread in part two after everything um, happened. And I guess you have to forgive it because it's a kid show and all. But after um, all the resolution had taken place, we have um, the principal come in and says, "Oh, it was a stupid walkout." Oh, and I thought, was it? <laughs> you've, literally just seen, you've literally just seen everyone walk out of the school with balloons in hand exactly but even then I've got a, a criticism about that scene in part 2 it was like um, he looks out the window and that they cut to that straight after a scene where all the kids are picking up the balloons that are coming out of the sky so narratively speaking the principal should have seen the children picking up the balloons not walking away and then he in the next scene that he's in He's running through the corridor and he says, where are all the children? Implying the children are all gone. And then the third scene where they're in is all the teachers out in the playground with no children. And it's like they've done that sequence to get a point across that the children had already left. But I just thought, you just seen the children out of your window. What's going on? So I think the, pay the structure sequencing off the edit was a bit over the place there. So I think that could have been a bit better. One thing I will say as well. Um, it's and um, when he's sitting down on the desk, he's he's like he's he's facing away from the window. Why does he look out the window? I knew that I was going to no, get cause brought up because there's no because there's no there's no sound made to indicate that something's going on. So what? Uh, I understand, but then I the, my come my pushback to that is right. You're in your room now, right? And mm. if about fifty people was just walking down your street, even if they're not even speaking, you would hit, still hear their footsteps subconsciously just because there are so many of them and just because yeah, it's, it's so that you would notice but people are walking and running around the playground anyway yeah 
so it doesn't change uh, if they're not if they, well clearly they were meant to be in classes though at this point so no, because, maybe that's why because, no because they were hypnotised as it was break time they were all playing around and then the balloons came out of nowhere so it wasn't meant to, it wasn't meant to be class it was meant oh, to be okay, then fair. surely if they were in the playground surely if they were meant to be in class they'd be in class but they went when the scene started they were in the playground yeah it, yeah that's it was fair I, I, forgot, I forgot they got the balloons out of the sky yeah, but, I, I will yeah. say I don't necessarily agree with everything that you guys are saying. Oof. I agree with some of it, but yeah. like, uh, how do I word it? I actually quite like this as a bit of a dichotomy to his character that he's kind of a dick when he's at work, but then at home he's actually quite nice. Like even mm. to Clyde, he's not that rude to him when they're outside of the school, um, and he doesn't like take umbrage with the fact that. Well, I guess he does, because he does mention to Rani that she should stay away from Clyde, but at the same time, like, by the end, when they're actually hanging out together, he just kind of accepts it and moves on. Yeah. Um, so, like, I, I, don't, I don't hate him. I don't, like, think he's a great character by any means, but I don't hate him like you seem to. Yeah. Um, In contrast, though, I really love Ronnie's mum. <laughs> I, I, I was going to say as well, oh, I actually enough. do think he cares in his own kind of way. Like, obviously, we already know he does call the police. And I think he only seems to not believe Clyde about the clown. He doesn't ever seem to really... He never questions that Finney's disappeared. He, like, well, I guess he kind of does because he says, what if he's just, like, gone home and not, not stayed? Yeah. So he questions it, but he never outright calls Clyde a liar for saying he's disappeared. The only thing he disagrees with is the whole that a clown took him, which obviously, whilst we know that was the case, mm. thinking it from his perspective, why? how would a clown have broken into the school and stolen a kid? So, like, I personally don't really have a problem with that, because... But surely that would give you bad signals. So, like, children are being abducted or disappearing and whatever, and then you have a sighting of a weird man, a weirdly dressed man, ha lurking around a school with a kid. And then that would that would strike you odd, no? Like... Oh, yeah, probably. Yeah. But the fact that... Um, I'm sure multiple people have mentioned that they've seen clowns, haven't they? Or is it just Clive? Um, I think they mentioned it after. Uh... Because Finney never mentioned Sorry, that he'd seen him. Mm. Fin Finney never mentioned he'd seen him, but obviously there's that scene where Rani's looking through the school books. Yeah. And he's drawn all over them. Which, by the way, I think is the creepiest scene, because those drawings are quite creepy in themselves. And then yeah. that's, that's the part where, like, Rani... I think that's when Rani looks out the window, and then... And she, yeah, she sees the odd bob out the window. And then afterwards he appears in the kitchen behind her. I love but, that music mm. in that scene as well. I love all yes, the agree. The music is superb throughout this whole episode. I think it's um, Sam uh, Sam Watts. I think he's a permanent composer for the show. And I really liked the music, musical score in the first pre-title sequence. Um, when it was, it was really tense and coupled with the sound effects when the clowns quickly zipped past the frame. It was fantastic. And there was a slight ticking essence in it. Like there was a slight ticking in the musical score, which I mm -hmm. noticed fed into the disorientation vibe they went with, with that whole sequence, which was talk about the music as well. I just want to quickly mention one mm. of my favorite parts, musically wise was when the kids are being like taken in part two because they add um sort of pipes yes because of the, the pie piper so mm. they actually kind of bring in that element of the music which i think works and sells the idea that you know this is the what the pie piper is now which by the way i know we'll talk about it more when we discuss like odd bob in more detail but in general i just really like the fact that this is another version of the universe tackling like folklore yeah i always yep. enjoy it when they do that and i like how um the scene with rani in in the room with mr smith and then mr smith says it well it's a historical fact that children did go missing i was like oh if this is true which i'm sure it probably is then that's a fantastic like use of that and it's actually much more sinister because it's given an explanation to a uh, historical event yeah yeah it's I like when it's one of the reasons and i won't talk about this episode much because the writer's problematic but it's another one of the reasons why i appreciate what the unicorn and the wasp does because it's mm. like Agatha Christie really did disappear for 10 days, like, out of nowhere, and then reappeared. That genuinely did happen. So it's yeah. kind of cool that the show tried to do its own explanation for why that happened, and I like that that's what's happening again here. Yeah. 
Um, I like the kind of um, the relationship between Clyde, Haresh, and Rani because you've got Clyde's friends with Rani, but but Haresh loves Rani because um, because he's a dad, but Haresh doesn't like Clyde. So mm. It's kind of a and it's worked into dynamic. it's worked into other episodes as well like they're just bantering between the two because um yeah, i'll bring up death to the death to the doctor i like it's a really sad moment but uh, it's when clyde's getting into the car and he gets a bit of static and then Harish makes a, a little bit of a jab at him and i think that's perfectly timed comedy and i think um even though yes just pay attention in school yeah, yeah exactly it's just the whole dynamic i completely agree with you i think it's a fantastic little trio i think there's another good moment about it in uh i think it's mark of the berserker which i think is in this series great episode um yeah. but it's when like clyde's dad starts like making Haresh do like all that exercise or something and oh, initially yeah. clyde finds it funny but then like after a while it starts to get a bit more sinister when he realizes that it is not stopping yeah uh, I like that moment when I don't know. It's fun how they play with sort of Clyde and Haresh's dynamic throughout the show. Mm. But yes, Gita, Gita, that door you definitely. I on. fucking love Gita. I know. I think it was. I think when we did Wedding of Sarah Jane, I think Mike said he couldn't stand her. I love her. Mike I said that. She's great. Jeez. I think she's great. Yeah. Oh, she was the best thing. Well, she's, she's such the best, good like, comic character. relief. She's such good comic relief. Yeah, there were a couple memorable lines in there for me. It was like, first of all, it was the "Do you save the world every day, or is it just on Mondays?" <laughs> like, that's not an unrealistic line. Like, that is really real. Yet, yeah, strikers are cool because she does save the world every day, and of yeah. course, she didn't want them to know. So that was a great line. Very simple yet very effective. And also the exchange that I messaged you t- uh, to you, Andy. And this was the exchange. He was like, "I'm very pleased to meet you, Sarah." And then so Jane says, "Jane," and then she I looks lo- up her and she says, "Lovely." I love that. It's such perfectly yeah, delivered. I, I, ju- I just I freaking adore Gita. I just think she's really funny and entertaining. Yeah. <laughs> I love how she. Um, I love how she does keep for, and keep forgetting Sarah Jane's got Jane at the end of Sarah. Yeah. I mean, it's better than. I think that's kind of the opposite of what. Um, uh, Oh, what was Maria's mum called? Chrissy. Chrissy, thank you. I knew it began with a C. Uh, It's kind of the opposite of what she always called her, where she always got the Jane, but forgot the first bit. So it was always like Mary Jane, or I think at one point she called her Calamity Jane or something. Yeah. Oh, the the whole sequence. Their their chemistry popped, I think, Elizabeth and whoever played her. What's the actress's name who plays her? Oh, I can't remember her name. She's like, I think it's Julia something. You mean the, no, you think Chrissy Gita? or Gita? Ronnie's mum, Gita, yeah. Oh, Ronnie's mum. Uh, uh, Mina Anwar, I think. Mina yeah, I Anwar. think that's it. Fantastic she, actress. Fun fact as well, she also played in Smile as well. Was she? Yes, yeah, yeah, she was in Smile. What character she did one she of the play? People, she played one of the people one, that got killed in the cold. One, one of the, yeah. Oh, of course, yes. Yes, I, I, when I watched Smile, I've always recognised that character, but my mind just went blank. Yes, I, I love her. She, you she's know what? Uh, this is probably going to be a very unpopular opinion. Smile, underrated episode. I love Smile. I, I think it's I think pretty it's probably, good. It's probably the, I think it's the weakest, one of the weakest of yeah. Series 10, but I think it's still really good. I think it's I, middle I third. I like it. Yeah. I like it. It's put it this way, considering it was written by the same person who did In the Forest of the Night, it could have been a lot worse. It's an improvement on In the Forest of the Night, I'll give you that. But right. to be fair, that's not really saying much. Exactly. If you compare it to the Series 10 finale or Knock Knock or Thin Ice, it just doesn't hold up, in my opinion. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's decent. It'd be like a 5 out of 10 for me. That's, uh, like, say, and that's like saying, well, uh, Empress of Mars is an improvement over Sleep No More. Yeah, but that's not, not saying, really saying much. much even then i don't actually mind uh slim no more i think he's underrated it's not me, good me, me, me and you have agreed that empress of mars is actually pretty great <laughs> empress of mars is great in my definitely opinion. one of gas's better stories yeah i think it's up there with the unquiet dead and cold war for please in the description of this episode put like we reviewed the day the, the sarah jane adventure story day of the clown and for some reason the idiot's lantern <laughs> Yeah, that's besides the point, and you've all gone quiet on me again. So I'll just move this on. <laughs> well, um, yeah, uh, villains. villains. Should we talk about the villain? Yeah, why not? I think hey, I'm. If you don't, if you don't want to, we can leave it. Uh, yeah, and that wraps I'll... up today's episode. No, um, I was. Um, yeah, good for Andrew. And um, three things I was gonna say. 
Uh, firstly, I was going to say about Oddbob, I feel like got the perfect amount of development. Yes. Because I feel like he wasn't too overdeveloped. Because I feel, cause I feel mm. like if he got too overdeveloped, he might have lost all of his threat. Yes. I I mentioned this in my part two villain notes, and it's similar to Bounce Off of You. I do like the moment where Sarah Jane is trying to convince the villain to stop being villainous. Of course, the trope and the writer had included that to get across that is stupid. By having the Pied Piper say, Can you imagine a boogeyman that brings children back from Never Neverland? Who would be scared of me then? That's a fab line, and it just makes sure that this villain isn't easily um, defeated. Ironically, because the very next note is absolutely dreadful in that regard. But my point is, it's developed well enough, and I think it's not. The, the you can't fault the character. You can't. You can fault the resolution and the whole wrap up to the episode of part two. But that being said, I think the character itself, the backstory, like you said, perfectly developed. Actually, I, I was I, sorry, sorry, go on. No, I was gonna say, um, talking about when you, um, what you said about the resolution, I actually kind of like the resolution. Oh, I think the fact, because the fact that he wants <laughs> he wants people to fear him, mm. and I feel like battling that with laughter, but I think kind of it cuts works. it cuts a waste to the spellman's robots with can laughter. That makes no sense. And how does yeah. a, a meteor slice trap the spellman? I would love an explanation from the writer. Right, what well, he's going with it. It was so bad for me. So let I have one main issue with the resolution, mm. which is just that whilst I agree with what Andrew said, where I like the idea that because this is an entity that feeds on fear, they use laughter. Yeah. Because it's kind of the opposite. What I will say is what doesn't make sense is it's just Clyde, Ronnie and Sarah Jane there, but apparently them laughing is enough to stop him. Yeah, I would have liked it mm. to be like, and to be like, um, him to be like, um, what's the word? Like, get overcrowded with laughter. People, like, loads of people doing yeah. this, so it kind of gets a bit. Fit. Because with it just yeah. being the three of them, that's where it falls flat for me, because it's like, really? But that's what is the that can. That, that's what the can laughter is for, though, is to imply that more people are laughing, and as the can laughter is playing, it cut away to the robots, implying the robots are laughing. Yeah, but I don't know yeah. why they would be. But I know, exactly, I don't, I don't think don't it's implying it, but it's not meant to be implying it. So I interpreted the implication, but it's actually not. It's just because they didn't have, obviously, they didn't have the budget to get some more people in to have some car waste to actual people laughing like across the world or something like that like Doctor Who may have done but yeah it's just because it's a low budget I guess and Although, I, I will that, say th those robots are actually pretty creepy the robots are really cool and I really Although, like the blue special effects they added when the uh, uh, robots malfunctioned after the sonic laser was like pointed at them I think the special effects team did a decent job there I will say Sorry, as Andrew. well um, about the point that you made about like people all over the world laughing hmm I don't know how that would have worked because the fact that it was Clyde in the actual museum making the jokes. So I don't know how yeah. people all over the world would be laughing because they wouldn't be able to hear. But yeah, that's that's why that's why the resolution kind of falls flat yeah. for me. I like the concept, but the execution isn't the best. Although I'm glad that at least Ronnie calls Clyde out on the fact that these jokes that he tells are absolutely shit. The jokes are terrible. I, I like. I found about two of them actually funny and I was like, oh, I might use that, but I'm not going to use it, obviously. But all the other ones are like so dreadful. I think Ronnie's one was like, um, where did you find your one-legged dog? Where you left him or something like that? It, I just thought, what the is, hell? It is a bit of an overused joke that I have heard it way too much. I think the, the thing is, though, we, we have yeah. got to remember, though, I, I even told myself this when I was writing that note, is it is for kids. And, like, yes. the jokes that yeah. I would find funny are not appropriate for kids. So, <laughs> like, of course it's going to fall flat for me. Yeah. Because who at 25 laughs at what you call a fish with no eyes? Fish. I don't know. What do, what do you call a fish with no arms? Don't know. I thought there was going to be a punchline there. <laughs> no. Yeah, not, not fucked over by Chernobyl. Jesus Christ. Ugh. <laughs> 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 uh. That terrible joke that I just came up with was worth it for Will's reaction alone. <laughs> the one thing that Andrew said earlier that I wanted to add on to about how they don't overdevelop him or develop him too much to take away some of the fear factor. One thing that I think actually helps keep that creep factor is when 
spell when he's having his more touching moments. Yeah, he's either Spellman or there's that moment where he is the Pied Piper. Mm. He's only, he only ever looks like Odd Bob when he's actually being creepy. Yes, I will. Does that make sense? I'm gonna say this is because um, you mentioned about the Pied Piper. Uh, uh, maybe it's just me, but I didn't really like him being the Pied Piper. I would have preferred if it, if it was just implied that he could be the Pied Piper and left that as a mystery. If they had uh, a transition once, like towards the end, I could definitely back that. But I just think the performance shifts from Reddy Walsh were good enough to actually warrant it. I I like that it's the Pied Piper, just because, kind of like we already said, I like the idea that they've tied it into existing folklore. I think it's really interesting when Doctor um, examines, or the Hooniverse examines, like real life folklore that exists outside of the Hooniverse. Yeah. Because as well, so I liked it personally. Because as well, I feel like when they reference the Pied Piper and you had those, that music playing in the background and like them talking about what the what the Pied Piper did and all that, um, basically I I found that quite creepy. But then when Spellman and Odd Bob transformed into the Pied Piper. I just, I think he lost all threat. And I, 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 I disagree. I liked that. And I liked that kind of, I know it was like only for like literally three seconds, but that moment where he is the Pied Piper and Bradley Walsh is actually kind of like underplaying it there. He just kind of like almost softly and kind of creepily just says like, I am the Pied Piper who's, who like stole away a whole town's infants. So. I can't remember what the reason was or what how he explained oh, because, it. Um, I, I think, think it's because they didn't Smith. pay. I, I, yeah. I know why they, they did didn't. it. It's just I can't remember how he worded it. But yeah, I, I do have some negatives. I don't know how many notes you guys have, but I can roll through my negatives to yeah, part two. Um, except for a few, no, ironically, the first note I do have is a positive. Except from a few nitpicks, not even worth getting into. I think the first seven minutes of part two were pretty flawless. Um, but I do hate the inspirational bait they do in this episode, as in, ooh, the universe is so amazing with some emotive music. They obviously do it because it's Ronnie's first story, as it's a sort of introduction to the premise of the show. But my god, she had very little to go off to make the whole, oh, aliens and everything, it's all out there line make sense. It just doesn't. Uh, so Ronnie saying that makes no sense. Um, it's laughably cliched to the point it's stupid. Um, I really like the pan shot of Sarah Jane as she realises the scheme of the Spellman in the attic. Um, it would have been a flat sequence with, without that piece of direction. Um, a, rem a moment that reminded me of Ryan Sinclair from the main show is when the spell is broken and uh, of the kids using the phones. And you just had an explanation from Luke on what Mr. Smith had done. We cut away to the balloons and to, just to reinforce the message, Clyde says, The phone signals are interfering with the Spellman's power. I asked them you have to cut us some slab because it's for children, but my golly gosh, that sequence was absolutely dire. Yeah, I, I agree there. I do agree. Saying I hate it. It's one of my main criticisms of the current era of Doctor Who is that they just do that all the time and yeah. it bugs the fuck out of me. Like, but, I get what's happening. You don't have to slap me across yeah, the face it's, with it. It's for kids, so it makes sense, but the point you just touched on is in the main show, which is the problem. And I, I just think... It shouldn't remind me of Ryan Sinclair because Ryan Sinclair shouldn't be run for kids and that bad. But I, I don't know. Andrew, what I were will, you going to say? Um, I don't, even then, I don't even quite get how that works. Uh, I Neither did I, but Andrew explained it to me. I explained it. kind of is said in a throwaway line right at the start of part two. Basically, as literally at the start of part two when they escape from the building and they're getting into Sarah Jane's car, um she explains i can't remember who asked but someone asked what happened or like how that worked I asked, yeah. and she explains that his telepathy that he was using to like control the robots keep the door locked all that sort of stuff basically how he does what he's going to do it must like i don't want to say run because that makes it sound like machinery but it mm. must like work on a similar frequency to what the mobile phone uses and uh, to the what, point where it like interferes yeah. with it kind of like a radio signal would and it made a point that it pulls Spellman that's why it kind of does but then again when the phone rings up later <laughs> and the telepathy is 
broken kind of he doesn't stop he's just still talking and they just picked and choose when to yeah, do that it, yeah I, was, I do agree that I think I had that note where basically if they were going to have that happen at the start it should have happened again later just for continuity's sake yeah um, but just, just the point I'm trying to get at is it is actually explained why that happens yeah um, uh, it is I will say and I shoddy. said this to Will it's mm. very much a throwaway line that you can miss quite easily yeah Um. so it was one of those things that I I don't know why I picked up on it. I just did, and I was like, oh, okay, that's why. But it is very much a you can very easily miss it line. Yeah, and around that scene, I think it was probably rushly filmed. Um, at least that's what I could sense. The whole Luke disappears, and then Sarah Jane tries to convince the other two to stay outdoors. C- can we just point out, by the way, with yeah. this Luke disappearing thing, the whole of mirrors looked fucking horrendous. I disagree. What I the liked hell that was that? I thought the directing and the editing was exquisite. I liked, I liked the scene. It's just I thought the whatever effects they did looked awful. The setting was naff, but they directed it good. I think it, I think it worked quite well because it, agreed, it looked weird, but it was meant to look. It was weird. meant to it be disorientating, yeah, yeah, because it was meant to, it was meant to freak Sarah Jane out. Yeah, but because you don't know where our Bob is. I, I agree with the premise of the scene, and I think in terms of how it affected her character, yes, it works. It's just visually, the way it looks to me was it literally did just look like they had Sarah, sorry, Liz, yeah. standing in like a fully blacked out room, just speaking to a camera or like acting to a camera, and then they just added an effect on the edit so it looked like there were like all these reflect. It just looked bad, in my opinion. I respectfully disagree with that. I, I, I really like that sequence, and they actually tried to be ambitious kind of with it that's fair i think yeah. it looks bad <laughs> and can i just point out as well and like the scene just after luke gets taken sarah jane goes to go in and and when clyde says i'm gonna come in with you she goes no you stay out here and i'm like i'm gonna minute you're telling ronnie and clyde stay out here because yeah. they're apparently gonna be safe didn't luke just get taken from outside <laughs> i didn't notice that that's a good point like that is a fair point luke's yeah. just been kidnapped from the outside and now you're going inside and you're telling the others to stay outside to where this trap is like yeah that makes no sense it's but, where it's, yeah. it's it's more noticeable considering that the scenes are right next to each other yeah, yeah. and in that scene is a bit of poor acting from Ronnie's um, actress in my opinion like she looks down in dismay before Sarah Jane even tells her to stay outside she was reacting to what she was being told before she was being told it I felt like that could have been uh, that could have done with a reshoot for me it was it's such a poor sequence but again I do really like the mirror scene so it's not completely uh, terrible and then oh, at, yeah. at the end it's like more universe's wonderful inspirational bait it's bad and it's forced it, it's trying to make the episode f- uh, end on a positive note to make <laughs> people forget about the badness then, all I could think as you started saying that was it's trying to make fetch happen what? <laughs> please tell me you get that reference repeat have you, have you never seen Mean Girls? no Sarah Jane Adventures <laughs> Yeah, sorry, that was a massive <laughs> tangent. I was just completely taken aback by the fact that you have not seen Mean Girls. No. <laughs> Unfortunately not. One yep. other thing I was going to say is um, about... I'm going to compare this to the 2017 It, because I've seen that. Mm. Um, I, I, um, I like how normal-looking Odd Bob is. He looks like a normal clown. But Because mm. one of my criticisms of the 2017 It is I feel like they go to villain clown. And it's like... The point of point of Pennywise is he, he's meant to look like a normal clown in order to make people want to come towards him. I don't know why anyone would want to come towards a clown. They're <laughs> weird and creepy. Why do people like them? I think it's because Pennywise goes after kids and there's like kids are very naive. Yeah. Um. Whereas with and whereas with um. Oh, what's the name? Oh, Bob. Um. I like that he looks more normal looking because that's. Because that's kind of what the intention is. I don't know about you, but I would never approach him either. (laughs) I wouldn't approach him either. Funny thing is, there are people in the real world who would very happily approach Pennywise. Have you not seen the internet? (laughs) Two. Okay, yeah, there are a couple of things that I did want to mention very quickly. The first one is, can I just point out, there's a scene in the playground with Ronnie, Clyde and Luke. This is like after, this is in part two. This is Mm. like after they escape from Odd Bob. I'm like, why are you discussing your after-school alien fighting activities in a crowded playground? It's so weird. 
like they have to project their voices of course because they're trying to be heard over the screaming kids in the background I but there's still a way to do it you're not meant to tell anybody why you're yelling it in a crowded playground. Are they actually shouting it though? Or? I mean, they're not exactly like, being quiet. You're and not being so right about around it, them. If yeah. they are, if they are like that, I think they. On the one hand, they have to be in school, so I think they're just kind of do. They're just kind of discussing it because they want to discuss it. Yeah. But they can't leave school. But on the one, but on the other hand, they could they could be a bit quieter. It's it's more. I understand they have to project for the microphones to pick them up on set. But at the same time, it's kind of like you know maybe just don't maybe go to somewhere a bit more private before you start discussing your early yeah. biting it, after school extracurriculars. It, it, sometimes that does happen. I've noticed that in a lot in quite a few. I think it's happened in episodes of Doctor Who as well, when you know they see the end, they say they're being quiet. But in reality, they're shouting it, and you're like, "Can you be a bit quieter?" Yeah, and I think Andrew, you mentioned it in a previous episode, like in Smile. I think you re- alluded to, like in a previous episode, uh, you said, like Capaldi said, like they're going to die or they've died, and then just around the corner was one of the family members, and you mentioned how surely that guy would have heard it, or I think it may have been a classic Who episode, and it's like that's just like a TV true, like they're they're obviously going to hear it, but you just have to interpret that they didn't because that's how TV works and it's just a bit stupid. I know, it just it was a bit disjointed after all the build-up. It felt like an odd scene. Uh, yeah. I think from, from the start, obviously because when Rani first moves in, Sarah Jane is like, we mustn't tell her what we do, no one must ever find out. And yeah. like, there's all this tension around, oh, I mean, obviously we know she's going to find out. But like this whole tension about, you know, uh, trying to keep it a secret. And then they're just in the middle of a playground blaring it loudly for everyone to hear. And I'm like, okay, you do you. <laughs> That's yeah. a smart move. Uh, the other two notes I had are one, this isn't necessarily related to this specific episode. It is, but not like it kind of relates to the, the series two as a whole. Mm. Is I really like how a lot of series two builds up to the temptation of Sarah Jane Smith with Sarah Jane's parents. Like, because we have the mention here as she's discussing like living with her aunt and the, the, the whole Good scene point. with the clown puppet. Mm. And we we even have that moment of uh, when her and Luke are talking, I think she brings up her parents, and the music from The Temptation of Sarah Jane Smith actually plays over the scene. Uh, the music that ha- plays when they sacrifice themselves in the episode, uh, that plays over the scene with Luke. And then obviously in later episodes of Series 2, in particular Mark of the Berserker, we get more mentions of her parents, because it's like, yes. it all kind of builds up to it. And I just really like that even in a series that's relatively short like Sarah Jane, because obviously the episodes are only like 20 odd minutes each I like the fact that they actually go out of their way to like essentially have like a series arc I didn't make that connection before because when I last watched the series I was about 10 so I'll look out for that but I definitely do like how they did that there's there's a lot of mentions and it it all builds up to her seeing her parents again in uh, in The Temptation of Sarah Jane Smith and the final note I had well, oh, sorry. Did you want to say something about that, Andrew? Um, I've never, I've never really noticed that, um, like that, um, as you call it, arc. I thought it was just cat. I've noticed the connect. I've noticed the connection with the parents, but I've always thought that was just a mention, and it, they didn't really notice anything mm. about it, um, as if they'd never really planned it. But I don't know. What was that episode where it, it, actually it definitely planned because that. one, they've got the same musical cue. Yeah. So clearly, it was meant to link the two scenes together. And two, because these other mentions all happen within the same series prior to the episode where we meet them, it's clearly all like building up to mm. like, oh, we're going to see Sarah Jane's parents. Mm. Then the final note I had was just that I really like the uh, the Pharos Institute and how they yes. keep coming back. Yes. I like that Sarah Jane basically has her own version of uh, kind of like unit now this Agreed. time. Yeah. Where she just like, and Professor Rivers is always there and she's a nice character. I love so it's, just, it's really nice just having a, a callback character <laughs> all the time because obviously we met her in. I think the first time we meet here is the Lost Boy, which is a great episode, yeah. by the way. Yeah, that, Nathan Goss, in that yeah. in that two part, is that the s- sequence where uh, she steals from the Ferris Institute and then then she's hunted down by Biked, 
Uh, yeah, like she blows them up with the That was the scene that reminded, stuck out in my head when the Forest Institute was mentioned. I was like, holy crap, is that scene in that this episode? And I was like, surely not. I thought it was in the that, start yeah, part that's, one. In, that's in The Lost Boy. That's yeah, the Lost I love that one. sequence. I love the Institute. I love Professor Rivers. Or whatever yeah. it, is. Great. I, I, it is Professor Rivers. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I just, I like the fact that the Forest Institute is a thing that will keep coming back. Like, we see them again in... The I want to say the Eternity uh, Trap. I want to yeah. say the Eternity Trap. We see them again. I'm sure we see them in Series Four at some point, and I know we see I, them in, see them in Sky, Sky as well. Yeah, I don't. I don't think they're in Series Four, are they? Because you got. Oh, um, maybe not. Actually, yeah. I can't remember. Yeah. Yeah, maybe not. But I do really like the fact that um. Uh, no, but, sorry, I, I really like the fact that they keep appearing. Yes. That Sarah Jane has this like recurring. Um, Absolutely. sort of. I don't know. It's just nice, and again, it kind of makes her feel even more like the Doctor. Uh, and unrelated to the Faros thing, just because I think Will, I think you mentioned it earlier. Mm. Like, how did, how does this meteor like somehow trap Spellman back? So it is explained again in the episode, but it's kind of a throwaway. Oh, okay. uh, where basically they established that the reason he, so he came to Earth in that meteor, or it came to Earth in that meteor, mm. and the reason it got out is because it landed in Hamlin where the townsfolk were like fear in fear of the plague and all that fear for the plague was strong enough for him to for it to feed on and come out of the meteor and that's when it became the pied piper and then it stole the children to have more fear to feed on and then blah 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 blah. and then at the end when they do the whole laughter thing apparently that's enough to weaken him enough so that he can't resist the pull of the meteorite anymore so it's kind of implied that exist, it's, yeah. it's kind of, it's kind of implied that the meteor was always trying Psychically to trap linked, him. Yeah, yeah, it was always trying to trap him back in, but he was strong enough to resist it until they weakened him with the laughter, which okay. is fine. It's it makes sense. I like it. It's as just reasoning. throwaway in it. It's not obvious. It, I like it as a reasoning. It's just it'd work a lot better if it wasn't just Clyde, Ronnie, and Sarah laughing. If we if, like we said earlier. Yeah. Yeah, it was, that, that's it was my, my my biggest criticism of this whole story is kind of how the resolution is done. Because if it was done a different way, it might have worked more. But as it yeah, is, it, it. it kind of falls flat. Yeah. But overall, I don't think it's a bad episode by any means. I've got a, um, I've got a few things I'm going to say I am as well that I haven't written them down, but yeah, I um, just kind of thought of them off the top of my head. Uh, firstly, I like the fact that um, Odd Bob can appear out of nowhere. Because that, because uh, yes. um, because it kind of makes it a bit more creepy. Because yeah, it makes it very sinister. Yeah, because you don't know when he's gonna show up. He could appear from out, and he could literally just appear randomly. Mm. Like that scene. It's like that scene in. I think it's a scene in the Tharos. The Tharos. I can't remember how to pronounce it. That's Institute. Like Institute. Yeah. Um. When um, when Sarah Jane's getting a bit of the rock from this um, and that Professor Rivers shows her, and then as she um, um as she's um, trying to cut a bit off. All you can hear him. All you can hear is, "What are you doing, Miss Smith?" What are you doing, Miss Smith? <laughs> I love the delivery. <laughs> from out of no, from out of nowhere, and it's, it, it just it, it, and like it just gives you just gives you a bit of a jump. Yeah, you don't expect I, it. it. Just because like, you just reminded me one line that I, one other sort of comedy line. It's not like a, a ha ha laugh a minute line, but it is a nice little joke line. Is when she's about to take some of that meteor. And Professor Rivers just turns on and says, "Maybe it's best that I uh, wasn't here," and then leaves, so she can basically have plausible deniability of where did this meteor go? She's going, I, I wasn't involved in this. I wasn't yeah, involved. I liked that. That was a cheeky little line that Don't I really liked. Don't look at me. It's like yeah. when it's like when the tenth Doctor, um, when they, in Day of the Doctor, when the eleventh Doctor went wibbly wobbly, timey wimey, and he went, I, "I've no idea." No idea what <laughs> he's talking well. about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I love the continuity in this story. Whether it's the um, just after say just after Maria leaves and it, it kind of references the past episode, or when Professor Rivers is there because she's also been in another episode. And they, I think they actually they actually reference the Nathan Goss stuff. Yeah, yeah they the, do. Lost, the Lost Boy. Because the reason she agrees to let uh, Sarah Jane take some of the meteor is basically as a thank you for helping us deal with that yeah. little shit. That was a nice little special <laughs> effect as well when she's uh, Sonic in the yeah, little piece of rock Yeah, that was quite Impressive. well done. Yeah. Because, like, she actually catches a physical thing as well, like, you can see it. So yeah. I was like, oh, that was pretty nicely done. Uh, Andrew, do you want to do your conclusion first? Yeah, um, um, overall, the story is a fantastic story and it's very creepy. 
and when I'm just watching it, I don't really notice any issues. But reviewing it, I do notice a few more issues, like the um, like the change in accents, the plot, the re- resolution being a bit, you know, not really making sense. Mm. The um, as well as the phone signal thing, but I think that's has kind of been explained, but not entirely. Overall, it's a good story with a few issues, but not much that drags down the story too much. Yeah, so it's not really much to say, to be honest. I think I think it's a good introduction for Rani. It's a good story for Sarah Jane, and as a really great villain, though I think um, and it's a good it, it's good for Clyde as well. He has some really great moments. Yeah. Yeah, Luke kind of gets shoved into the background a bit, though. Yeah, Luke say. really doesn't get a lot to do in this. Yeah, um, but apart from that, there's not really much else to say. As far as an analytical score goes, I'd probably give it an eight. Okay, I think. Yep, an eight. That's yeah, that's cool. I would chuck that onto the average calculator. Um, Andy, do you want me to go next? Yeah, sure. I don't have a conclusion, uh, <laughs> but I do have two scores for both parts, and then I have an average overall score. I gave part one an eight out of ten, and then I gave part two a four out of ten. Um, so that wraps up to a six out of ten overall. So it's a six from me. I do like it, but I uh, the flaws just to take away the overall experience, especially in part two. Like the first seven minutes, as I said, of part two, fantastic, and then um, only a few nitpicks in part two, except from of course the whole freight in part two and how it's executed and the resolution it was just all a bit naff and the inspiration bait as i mentioned earlier trying to leave you on a good taste but it just didn't work for me and it was too obvious what they were trying to go with and yes you gotta give it a bit of slack because it's a children's show but i think it's unfair of me to just say that and write all the criticisms off as always for children so yeah it's a four hour ten for part two six hour ten overall for me that's my conclusion okay my conclusion, I just put a legitimately creepy story with great performances from uh, all the leads, in particular uh, Elizabeth Sladen and Bradley Walsh, who makes a surprisingly fun and chilling turn as a villain. Uh, the it inspiration is blatant, but it, uh, but fun, and it's nice that the universe has tackled another folklore legend from the real world and given it its own sci-fi spin in The Pied Piper. The pacing for me does sag a little during the second part, uh, which is felt uh, given the relatively short runtime of SJA episodes. But every scene does have a purpose, whether it's to build up the plot of this story or to help set up future ones, aka Temptation Sarah Jane Smith. Overall, a thoroughly enjoyable and good Sarah Jane adventure story, one of the better uh, stories of series two. Uh, and I gave it, I gave part one eight out of ten and part two six, so overall a seven. And you landed straight in the middle of the average. Of course, it doesn't take a genius to work that out. The average is a 7 out of 10. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> uh, this has been episode 8 of the Spin the Wheel Doctrine podcast. This one lasted longer than expected, but in, in, you were saying we wouldn't get an hour out of a Sarah Jane adventure story. You were wrong, good sir. Yeah. Uh, I'm surprised, th- yeah. Thank, thank you very much for watching. This has been very fun. Uh, yeah, Thank you to our guest, uh, Andrew Hayden. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks for coming on. No worries. Uh, th- thank you to my co-host Will. No problem. I've hyper dragged you through, and no tangents. Um, yeah, and I have been Andy, your host, and join us next week where I believe. Ah, we need to spin the wheel. Or no, we? we've already done it. Fuck. You did it a couple of days ago. We had an argument about this. <laughs> and what did it land on? It was Silver Nemesis, wasn't it? It was. Oh yes. God. So we're doing the Silver Nemesis next week, and I should be doing my first time solo hosting so that's gonna be fun <laughs> you did a good job today to be fair what well, um who's in those episodes with you for the audiences um benefit? so for the next two because it's the next two that i'm solo hosting isn't it yeah <laughs> uh george uh so george from pacey sheet I, is it connor coming on as well yes he is. so it's it's pacey sheet and liam are on next week for silver nemesis and then it's ed and xander for episode 10 yeah ed waller from the army of ghost doomsday review and then xander grogan from wedding of Sarah Jane Smith. several he was also in yeah, he, he, was a, he was on wedding of Sarah Jane smith with me yeah uh, and then i have a couple of weeks off yay <laughs> Yeah, until like August 13th, so you got August 13th, yeah. yeah. So, if you liked me and you want to see more of my stuff, you can go over to my personal YouTube where I 
haven't really uploaded much recently, but I am going to be filming another cover hopefully in the next couple of days because I do music stuff. Hello, I'm a singer. Uh, so you can go check those out. Uh, I stream on Twitch over at Kemp Plays, although I've done that for a good few weeks now, ever since I broke my nose because I was one in pain a lot and then I just got really busy and I need to set up the new webcam. But that will be coming back soon, hopefully. And if and. you want to listen to another podcast that I do, uh, my partner Phil and I have a podcast with our upstairs neighbour and close friend Sarah called We Pay For Your Floor, which honestly, I still love the name of that. I think it's great. <laughs> um, where it's just us being uh. stupid and doing silly stuff. And it's a lot of fun to make. And as of last night, we are officially now on Spotify as well. Uh, so if you mm. want to listen to, if you just want to listen to it, you can go over to Spotify. It is we just we pay for your floor, uh, and if you want to watch it on YouTube, it is also just we pay for your floor. That is all. Thank you. For letting <laughs> can, I say, can I just say one last thing? Yeah. Go on. Uh, if you like controversial opinions and want to know some of my controversial opinions, then it's all on my Twitter. Did you, you give like, the same score for Love and Monsters that you did the eleventh hour? You yeah, gave no. both episodes an 8 hour 10 and I thought, what the hell? 11 Monsters is not <laughs> oh, on the same level as the 11th hour. Aren't you, aren't you the guy who thinks listen is shit? Me? Yeah. Oh. Well, I, don't, I, don't think, I don't think it's shit. I think it it starts off okay, but then it kind of, I, I, I just kind of lose interest in it. And it, there's a few issues, there's a few like issues with it, like just personal issues, like Clara, like Clara, just giving that speech to the doctor about that's about the best scene. Fear. I hate it because it, it feeds into Clara's whole character of being overpowered, which I know uh, here Clara wants to be hate. like the doctor, which is okay. But then it kind of it's okay. It would it's okay in concept, but the execution's poor. Uh, as and someone who loves as someone who loves <laughs> Clara. Um, and your opinion uh, just gets shafted every single week because we get a new guest and we ask and then everyone hates everyone it. Everyone fucking hates Clara! And then I think, oh, I'm just sat here by myself just waving the flag of, I love Clara! <laughs> right, I'm going to hit stop recording. Oh, See you guys gosh. in a bit. Bye.